Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. If you've joined us before, you may know I'm a sales coach and trainer. I work with both individuals and organizations internationally to help them achieve measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network as a place where we can elevate the profession of sales, where salespeople can come and network with each other, ask questions, get great advice. And if you've been with us before, you also know every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, I either do a live training or I bring you a live interview with a guest who can help us increase our sales and elevate the profession of sales in general. And today is once again, no exception, my friends. Uh, before I introduce our guests, please, if you're watching us live, say hello in the comments. If you're watching us live on Facebook, but have not connected your account to StreamYard, it's just gonna say Facebook user. So if you've done that, please put your name in there too. If you have any questions for our guests today, please be sure to put those in the comments and I'll pass them along as we go. And finally, if you're watching us on the replay, please put replay in the comments. And with that, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Suzanne Taylor King. She is a superstar coach and the entrepreneur's secret weapon. Good morning, Suzanne. Good morning, Jeff. Great to be here. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Suzanne, before I ask you the million and one questions that I have for you, mm -hmm. uh, could you please tell us a little bit about your background, maybe the two minute version of what brought you up to this point? Well, I've been an entrepreneur for 35 years. I started my first business when I was 22 and it was a huge success and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so that's what started the entrepreneurial journey. And along the way, I was a dental hygienist for 20 years. And what I learned in that career, always having a business as a side hustle, I honed my skills in not only selling things people don't want, but building rapport with people, having conversations with people from a huge variety of backgrounds and really leaning into that superpower of being a connector, being um, just able to talk to a wide variety of people. So much so that I introduced numerous patients to each other, and a couple of them are actually married to this day. <laughs> so fast forward, I became a coach in 2009, and I started my coaching career in health and wellness and fitness, and that quickly led me to realize a lot of mindset work was going into my fitness and nutrition. So I got my master's in positive psychology and leaned into the performance and the habits of being an entrepreneur. Wow. So you were making matches while you ha had your mouth, your, your fingers in people's mouths and talking to them? Yes. That, that's always my favorite part of the uh, the dental <laughs> visit, you know, when, when the dentist or the hygienist is talking to me and I'm like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we understand you perfectly. Believe me. <laughs> I get it. Uh, good morning, Bruce Kasserman. Good to see you. Ben Gibbs. Good to see you, my friend. Um, so why don't we start with this, Suzanne? Um, what are the elite habits? Of, first of all, what are the 4%? What are the elite habits of the 4%? Well, I would say the the top 4% of entrepreneurs or people in general uh, have numerous things in common. And I'll, I'll give you the top five. A morning routine, a gratitude practice, an exercise routine. They work on their personal development every day, whether it's reading or listening or learning from a mentor or a coach. And they, they take that personal growth very seriously as part of growing 
their business. And I, I found it fascinating that if you looked at the top entrepreneurs or business owners in the world, the ones like Oprah and Richard Branson, um, you look at them and they have those same habits dialed in. And there had to be some sort of um, coincidence there in my mind. Um, and it really made me dive into what is success and is it just defined by your financial success or is it actually how you're living as a human? And that fascinated me. Hmm. Do, do, do the top 4% always have all five or are they sometimes missing or do we do we really have to have all five in order to be that successful? I, I believe you have to have all five and there's more than five. There's about 20 of those habits. And but they say from my research that having five of the 20 and doing them routinely, meaning every day, and you if you skip one day, you never skip two. Um, that's really what drives success. Got it. Well, I, I think I need to hear the other 15. Not right now, because uh, you lost me on a couple of them. The that's first right. two, daily gratitude practice and a morning routine, got that down. Physical fitness and health, uh, I'm decent, but not as good as I could be. And uh, I've already forgotten the last two, but uh, well, we might have to have a private conversation. That sounds point. good. <laughs> um, among the many things that you help your clients with is goal setting. I've actually co-authored a book on setting and achieving goals. Um, what are some of the mistakes that we make? Because salespeople, this is an audience of salespeople, and we should be goal-oriented. I think everybody should be, but certainly salespeople should. What are some of the mistakes that people make when they're setting goals? Mm, number one, clear targets. Um, I'll use my real estate agent client as an example. Uh, he wanted to have, uh, one more listing every month for the year. And I said, well, that's great. How many phone calls or meetings do you need to get that one listing extra per month? So clear target, one new listing a month. The action steps, you know, backing into those action steps, okay, I'm going to have to make 10 phone calls to get one appointment or 100 phone calls to get one appointment. And if I go on one appointment, what's my um, conversion rate? Do I land every appointment I go on? No, not typically. So then you might need to actually have two or three appointments every month to land that one listing. And we back ourselves into how many people do I actually need to talk to on a daily basis, a weekly basis to hit that goal every month? Yeah. But uh, clear targets, 100%. And yeah. I think- wait, 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 Before you go on to, to other ones, oh, sure. I want to hear the rest yeah. of them, but I, I, I want the audience to, to get how crucial what you just said is. And mm -hmm. I did not really know that or understand that until I went to work for the company I worked for before I opened my own. Uh, the owner of that company was very big on metrics. And in a job mm -hmm. interview, he actually sat down and said, tell me about your numbers. And I told him how much I had sold in sales volume the previous year. He goes, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Tell me about your numbers. And I quickly realized I wasn't going to get the job because I had no idea what he was talking about. And I actually mm -hmm. said to him, Steve, you know, I I'm not sure what you're looking for. I told you how much I sold last year. What numbers are you looking for? I guess I'm not getting the job, but why don't you explain it to me? 
and he explained the importance of exactly what you just said. How many dials does it take to get through to a person? Of course, cold calling or dialing doesn't have to be the only way, but it's a great example. How many dials does it take to get through to somebody? How many times when you speak to the right person, do you actually get an appointment? How many of those appointments convert into uh, a sale? What's the average dollar volume? How long does it take? Those numbers, those simple metrics, which are not difficult to track, can yeah. transform your sales career. You, you just said it. Actually, we're done. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Suzanne just gave you the, the, the key. But yeah, I, I just had to emphasize that because it's so important. And by the way, so I'm important. not a numbers guy. I'm a people guy. But I learned the value of knowing your numbers. And as a sales coach myself, I mean, I know you're not a sales coach. You're a coach. But as a sales coach, it's one of the first things I help my clients do. Let's figure mm -hmm. out what your numbers are. Because once we know what your numbers are, I can help you achieve almost any goal you want. And Absolutely. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah, and I, I feel that with my clients as well. So um, if if I work with somebody and they have a monthly income goal of, say, $50,000, and if they're a coach and their package is $1,000, that means they're going to have to sell 50 clients every month. And I've said this so many times that when we actually talk about that, it makes someone realize the value of what they're doing at a whole new level. So if you want to sell 50 people every month because your income goal is $50,000, how many people are you going to have to pitch to? Most likely it's going to be a hundred. Do you, have, do you have, physically, do you have time to have a 30-minute conversation with 100 people every month? And the answer typically is, no, I can't do that. Well, then how are you actually expecting to sell 100 people a month or 50 people a month? There needs to be a plan. And so many times entrepreneurs feel that if they post on social media and they get four likes, that somehow they're going to make sales and it just isn't true. Yeah. And in your example, you're assuming a 50% closing ratio, mm -hmm. which most salespeople do not have in my, in my experience. No. So you're probably no. talking about having to have 150 to 200 conversations just mm -hmm. to close 50 deals and make $50,000. And I'm assuming that's $50,000 in new business every month because yes. hopefully this coach has recurring revenue. I mean, if you're only, if, if, a, if a client only sticks with me for a month, I've done something very wrong. So, uh, but, yes. <laughs> but yes. yeah, it, it does become when people actually stop and think about, uh, especially a lofty goal, which I, and I consider 50,000 a month, a lofty goal for most people, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it, they don't understand what's it really going to take to do it. And as you were speaking, I have to say, the first thing that popped into my head was, well, rather than sell 50, a, a thousand a month, how about less at 5,000 or 10,000 yes. a month, make yes. your life easier. Yes. Yes. And that's exactly where I typically go with that conversation and helping helping an entrepreneur or a coach or really any small business owner realize the value of a transaction, um, the value of that customer in your practice. And, you know, customer that walks in your store and buys one thing one time you're really missing out on a really big opportunity. So that that has to be part of the conversation when it comes to sales and making goals and having having that target and is it realistic? 
Um, I hate to be the burster of bubbles with realism, but sometimes that's what's needed, you know, and if someone's closing rate is, you know, 20%, well, how about we improve that? How about we improve that your sales skills, your conversation skills, your rapport building skills so that you don't have to talk to 100 people to close 50 clients, that you only have to talk to 50 to close 25 or 40 and you charge a higher dollar amount. So it it really is backing into your numbers and where you want to go. Absolutely. So uh, not having a clear goal is one of the things that uh, people mis- mistakes people make. Is there another that you want to share with us? Um, I think uh, measurable milestones. How will we know that we are being successful? It's, it's something I started in my coaching practice uh, probably five or six years ago when I started an engagement with a client, uh, whether it's three months, six months or a year. I specifically say, how will you know that this coaching and this this relationship that we're embarking on is successful at the end of three months, at the end of six months, or at the end of a year? And this gives me an insight into their clear targets for the engagement. And sometimes it's different than my intention. So that's been really helpful for me. And encouraging my clients to do the exact same thing with whatever goal they're setting for themselves. So I have a goal uh, right now. I'm taking my live stream series and turning it into a podcast, much like you do. And I was going to do it starting this month. And I thought, well, wait a minute. I have milestones I want to hit so that it's more successful. And I also have marketing metrics that I want in place. So is it realistic to launch it in July when I'm away for 10 days in July and have other things happening? No. So let's set it for September and the milestones are now set. July milestone, August milestone, September 1st milestone and then the launch. And I tend to be an impatient person and most of my clients are too. We're action takers. They're attracted to me. So slowing down so that you have those metrics in place and guaranteed when you do that, you end up more successful in the long run. Uh, So really important. And then reminding myself when I do a good job, Um, celebrating the wins, the small little things and keeping track of those. So I remember what I have accomplished. Love that. And I I know you are not necessarily a sales coach. You're what I I believe you're you're what I consider a transformational coach. You help people live their best lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Every word that's coming out of your mouth is perfect for salespeople. It is. In fact, I, one of the questions I love to ask on a sales call uh, myself uh, and that I advise salespeople to do it is I, I often deal with presidents, CEOs, and vice presidents of sales when I'm selling sales training. And one of the questions I love to ask, let's assume that you were the VP of sales, I'd say, Suzanne, I'm curious about something. Let's say that you and I agree that we're going to work together. Notice I did not say that you're going to decide to work with me. Let's say we decide that we're going to work together and Mm -hmm. we're sitting right here in your office six months from now. 
what would have to have happened in the last six months for you to say, wow, I am so glad I decided to work with you. And when, when the prospect gives you the answer to that question, what they're telling you is exactly what they want. Yeah. All, all you have to do is say, oh, that's exactly what I'm going to give you, assuming that's what, what you can. So as far as I'm concerned, you're not just a transformational coach. You're also a sales coach. Well, I think there's a little bit of sales in everything, right? And um, I I call what I do healthcare selling. Um, and I coined that phrase a couple weeks ago. And what that means to me, coming from a healthcare background, realizing that because of relationships with my patients, I was able to sell them things that they didn't necessarily want to spend money on. So it was showing value, showing need, and of course, only selling something if someone needed it. So that's that authenticity piece for me. You know, I'm not going to sell a filling if you don't have a cavity, right? That cause and effect. And so now taking that into my coaching practice, I swear to you that that's why I've been more successful than the average coach is because I turn down more clients than I accept. And, you know, sometimes people have said, why do you do that? Well, because I have gone to the point where I don't want to work with somebody who's not ready to change, not ready to take action, who wants to stay in their comfort zone, because I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. And it's not fun for me if you don't want to go. And so realizing that healthcare selling is yes, everybody needs what I offer. But if you're not ready for what I offer, i.e. you don't have the money, you're not ready to make change, you're not ready to take action, it's totally okay for me to say that. doesn't sound like you're ready for me. And here's maybe a better fit, or here's a course you could take, or a book you could read, and then maybe you'll be ready for me. Um, first of all, hi, good morning, Michael North. How often after you say to a, a prospect, I don't think you're ready for me. How often do they say, no, please, I really need you. How often do they want you even more? Because I don't think yeah. you're using it as a tactic. But No, I'm not. It, I get it. But it's brilliant because most people want what they can't have. Yes. Uh, there, is, there is a good percentage of people that I turn down who become raving fans of mine. Um, those, those advocates for me where they're out looking for clients for me or they're introducing me to people because of that radical honesty um, that they're just not ready. And typically if they say, but yes, I am ready. I'm really ready. Okay, great. I'm going to give you this book to read. I'm going to recommend it. And then when you're done with the book, reach out to me and tell me what changes you've made because of reading that book. Nine times out of 10, I never get an email. I, I never get a reach out back saying, oh my gosh, that book made all the difference in, in the world. Thank you so much. I'm ready to do more. But the person who does, who reads you know, Speak to Sell by Dan Kennedy. I recommend that one all the time for speakers. If they read it and they come back to me with questions or comments or insights and say, I'm ready to do more, awesome. Then I know. 
kind of a little test. Yep, I'm with you. I, I certainly cannot say I turn away more clients th than I, I accept, but I am very straightforward with people and I certainly do turn down clients and I fire clients if they're mm -hmm. if it's not working out because yeah. I'm not going to take anybody's money. I don't need your money bad enough that I'm going to work with you if it's not working for you. Yes. And one of the things uh, I'm very big on is the accountability piece in my coaching. In fact, almost every session ends with a promise from them uh, as to how much prospecting they're going to do, because most salespeople simply mm -hmm. aren't seeing enough prospects. And by the way, I don't tell them how much they should prospect. It's just, what are you willing to commit to? Now, yeah. I, I'll grant you, if somebody says, well, between this call and the next call, which is typically two weeks later, I'll make one call, I'll probably say, I think we might need to pick that up a little bit. But as long as their commitment is reasonable, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, uh, I'll, all I want to do is make sure they're committed. Now, I, don't, I don't care about what they want or hope for or wish for yeah. what they think they'll do. The only thing to me that drives anything is, are you committed? And I tell people up front before they hand me dollar one, if you break two commitments to me, I'm firing you as a client. Love that. Are you still in or not? Because if, you, if you're not, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time and your money. It's not my yeah. time. You're paying me for my time. But I don't want to work with anybody who's not going to get the, the value out of the investment in working with me. And uh, I, I love that you're doing the same. Thing. Yeah, well, ultimately, that affects your brand, whether you're a salesperson for a company or whether you're a salesperson for yourself. Ultimately, when your clients don't follow through, it affects your brand. And uh, I believe that's a, a big factor in my longevity in, in the industry. I haven't really considered that. I, I, now that you're saying it, I can see it. I'm less concerned about my brand and it's more really for me. I just have no patience. I have no patience mm -hmm. for anybody who doesn't want to play full out. Why would you want, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, why would you want to hand me your money if you don't really want to change something? I, I'm entertaining, but uh, nobody's hiring <laughs> me for my good looks. It, it, yeah. People work with me because they want their sales to increase or their team sales to increase. Right. Why would you want to give me whatever I charge unless you're really committed to doing that. And Agreed. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it, it always takes work. There, there, there's a price to pay for everything, including working with a coach like you or me, increasing your sales, getting a better life or, or any of that. And if you're not willing to, go, go find somebody else as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And like you, I have others I can recommend and I'm happy to do that. I know people who charge less than I do. I know people who are very good at what they do, but I'm only willing to play a certain way. And if you're not on that level, go find somebody else. Yeah. You know? God bless you and have a great life. I think one of the things that's helped uh, is some of the uh, relationships I have with other coaches. So I have the perfect coach for clients that they need before me. And he's a productivity coach and he does pitching and scheduling and um, outreach and work hours and ROI and networking. Awesome. So anybody who doesn't have those things in place, when they come to me, you need to go see him first. And when you're done with his program, then you'll be ready for me. And then I, I have a coach who I can refer to after clients are done with me. And it's, it's really amazing to have that synergy with two other people who feel the same way about me. They know if a client's not ready for them, they go to me first and then them or after. And it's it's beautiful. It, it cuts down on the prospecting. And then I want to say one thing about prospecting or outreach, engagement. 
I teach a method to my clients of engaging with prospects, peers, and influencers. And the way I teach it is you pick 20 of each. You pick 20 potential clients from all the people you're connected with, 20 peers, and then 20 influencers. And you engage with those people on a regular basis. And once one of them becomes a client or a podcast relationship, um, then you add a new person to the list. So I, I teach 20 of each to my clients. I do 100 of each because I have it down to a science. I have practiced it for years and it's achievable for me at a very quick pace. But I had to realize that was way too much for somebody just starting out doing engagement and reach outs and uh, that kind of stuff online, I was being overwhelming. So I had to take a step back and say, okay, I may do a hundred, but I can only ask you to start with 20. That was important metric for me as a coach. Uh, I tend to be a little bit of an overachiever, like fitness. I'm I'm an overachiever for a 56-year-old woman. I expect things of myself that people my age do not expect, but I can't do that with a client. I have to meet them where they are. So the clients don't necessarily have to walk up the hill the last mile? No, not just a little research on you. Yes, I, I get <laughs> completely. Um, good morning, Pete Ekstrom. Um, many of us, maybe all of us, have blocks or limiting beliefs that, that get in the way of our success. One of the ones that I hear right now and have for the last couple of months is you can't sell during the summer. Now, <laughs> that's not true at all. Not true. It is a limiting, I call it head trash. It's a limiting belief that people have or money doesn't grow on trees. And I, you know, most of us heard that growing up. So <laughs> how, how do we how do we clear out those limiting beliefs that hold us back and reprogram our thoughts in a way so that we can achieve the success uh, we desire. And, and, and how do we manifest money? I think every salesperson is looking to make more money. Can you talk to that a little bit? Sure. Um, I have a couple different uh, coaches on my team. Uh, one who does positive intelligence, PQ, which is uh, a method developed by Sharzad Charmaine. And it's based in positive psychology and mindfulness. And it's a six-week program that I've uh, an amazing, I went through the program myself. So I'm a staunch believer in mindfulness to overcome your self-sabotage and your limiting beliefs. It's a hands-on program and it's very concentrated in six weeks. And I believe in it so much that uh, a coach I know, I brought her on to my team and I hand her at least five or six clients every five or six weeks. And she does a cohort of people. And sometimes I require that before we start working together. If I hear lots of negative self-talk or I see a pattern of self-sabotage in your entrepreneurial career, um, and that works great. The second tool that I think is really helpful is doing some sort of evaluation of your previous clients, your peers, your friends, your family. And it could be anonymous. Uh, the coach who did it with me actually had me send 
a questionnaire to five past clients, five friends that I've had forever, five family members, and five new people. And asked very specific questions in relation to how they perceived me, my authority level, my expertise, um, my online presence. Would I? Would they recommend somebody work with me in the future? And we did it for market research purposes. But I'll tell you what it did for Sue the person. It made me see myself in a totally totally objective way. And I think that's really key. Entrepreneurs are and salespeople are going to get told no all the time and you have to be okay with it. And I, I think we can relate it to dating, right? How many times are you willing to get turned down going for the good looking guy or the good looking girl or the person you want to date? Are you willing to go for no? And I, I truly believe in developing that skill to be more resilient, have a little bit of grit and toughness, and not not be emotional about a no. Uh, it does. It's it's not a no to Suzanne. I hate you. It's a no. I I don't need your product or service right now. Awesome. I'm still going to ask. Yeah, I, I, I keep smiling because you keep saying things that uh, ring true for me because I often equate sales to dating. You know, yeah. Does she like me? Does she like me enough to go out with me again? Does she like me enough to close the deal? That's mm -hmm. really what, what, what it's yeah, about. And it I, I, I love, love, love that you, you, you had to go to these people and ask them what they thought of you. Mm -hmm. I believe that this, one of the smartest things anybody in sales can do is talk to their clients and find out why they really do business with them. Yeah. Uh, the answer is often surprising. And I think I've given this example on the Sales Pro Network uh, podcast before, but uh, I worked with a client for about a year and a half. Uh, they were a manufacturer of computer hardware and they had always sold to the SMB market and they wanted to break into the enterprise market. I worked with them for a year and a half. We brought them into the enterprise market. And as I'm winding up the engagement, I sat down with the entire management team and said, what did I do well? What could I have done? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what do you like best? And I was stunned because to a person, they all said, oh, the thing we like best is that our salespeople now have more confidence. Now, wow. it never occurred to me in all the years I've been doing this, that one of the things I do is I give salespeople confidence. When they said it to me, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But I didn't realize it until they told it to me. And of course, now you can bet that every prospect I speak with yeah. said, here's this. Well, one of the things my clients tell me they like best about working with me is their salespeople now have more confidence. So asking your clients for feedback is brilliant. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, you should be incredibly open to hearing anything negative because how do we fix it unless we know it's there? Uh, you've got to be yeah. open to both the good and the bad. Well, that's the um, you have to be willing uh, in this profession uh, when you're when you're selling something tangible, intangible, um, like you and I are right? Like we're, we're really kind of selling air a lot of the times it's, yes. it's concepts that we're selling. Um, and anybody in that situation has to be okay with the no, but also when you get the no, not get so emotional that it affects you on the next conversation. That's key. And I'm always curious why someone says no, 
Um, Just perfect. And I, I will tell you a heartbreaking example of asking why. And I had a client for about six months. And in our six months together, we created all of her assets for her company. And I'm talking emails, webinar, marketing, so much that it was overwhelming. And about six months after our engagement was over, she hired someone at a very, very high rate to create a webinar for her. And I thought, oh, she hates the webinar we created. And I got in my head for a little bit, like, I love that webinar. I love the content. I love the script. I love the marketing material. I loved it, but she didn't. I got to find out why. And I went to her and asked very kindly, uh, sent her a voice message. I have a couple questions for you. If Can we have a quick conversation? And she called and I, I asked her what she wasn't happy with. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, just wanted to know what I could do better, um, you know, with that webinar we created for you. She didn't even remember having it because I had so over delivered during our six months together. Her Google Drive folder was overflowing with content. She didn't know she had a webinar and a script and marketing materials. So she spent $10,000 to go create it with someone else. Ouch. So that feedback for me, so I could have stayed stuck in my own head that she didn't like me and she didn't like what we created and I'm a loser and blah, 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 blah. But because I was willing to do better and I asked, what could I do better? The feedback was, oh, I did so much. She didn't even know what she had. And it, it really taught me that lesson to always ask why. Do you mind me asking why now is not a good time to work together or why you decided to work with this person versus me and my program? And it's always from that aspect of wanting to learn more and to be more self-aware. Again, exactly what I teach salespeople. When somebody says no, yeah. the answer should be, really? I didn't expect you to say that. Why not? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and salespeople tend to not want to ask that question because they yes. don't think they're going to be able to deal with the answer. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's two types of objections. One is a real objection, a real reason why I don't want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear that one. The other one is smoke, uh, you know, blowing smoke up your nose. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to get rid of you. And that that's useless. The, the best thing you can do when somebody's just trying to get rid of you is get rid, get gone. Yeah. I don't have time. I'm not here to fight with anybody. I only want to work with people who want to work with me. Yeah. But when somebody has a real objection, what that means is I want to work with you, but there's something in the way. Or it could, it could be I don't want to work with you and there's something in the way. But often it's I do want to work with you, but it's maybe it's the price. Maybe it's the term. Who knows what it is? But unless you ask, you never know. And I won't say that the chances are good that you're going to turn somebody around just because you ask the question. But you've got no chance if you don't. What's, what's the harm in saying, really? Why not? 
you may, be, you, may, you may learn something that may help them become your client, or it may help you with the next one. Exactly. I'm watching the clock, and I've got 7,000 questions for you, because I do research on everybody, and boy, oh boy, <laughs> I want to know everything about you, but I've got to ask this one. Um, you have what you call a secret sauce, or, or a magic pill and a competitive advantage, and I hope I pronounce this correct. It's called eudaimonology? Eudaimonology. What the heck is that, and how do we, how do we use that? Well, uh, I will say it's an ancient Greek word eudaimonia which loosely translated into modern positive psychology means human flourishing and that that sauce of being a happy human and flourishing in your life and having that vibe in your person will attract people to you better well people money opportunities uh situations that uh, nothing else will really do. And uh, I learned a lot about Stoic philosophy from a coach I worked with about five years ago. And I really felt called to this idea that everybody has a daimon. And that's where eudaimonia comes from. So your daimon is that inner voice that knows exactly what to do and if you imagine it as your daimon on one shoulder, your angel, and the devil on the other shoulder, your demon on the other shoulder. And Stoic philosophy talks a lot about that. Um, there's numerous stories, but the basics is you know what to do. As a human, you have an innate ability to know I need to drink more water. I need to sleep more. I need to eat healthier. You just don't do it. And by encouraging your daimon, that inner best version of yourself, and I have a 12-step process for that, you actually become a better living, breathing, walking example of the human that you were meant to be. And that ups your attraction factor to other people and opportunities and money, like I said, by at least 100%. Wow. So uh, I know you have 12. Can you give us one or two? Yes. Um, my favorite is, is eating. And food is um, the number one most highly addictive thing in our society. Um, you know, from sugar to junk foods to processed foods and all the chemicals involved. And making the simple change of eliminating sugar from your diet, and I encourage people to do it just for a week, just, just give me a week. Give me a week without sugar or processed foods, and at the end of the week, let's have a conversation about your focus level and your commitment level, uh, your ability to recall things. And like we're having this conversation right now. I don't have notes. I, I'm recalling things from my head. And, you know, as you get older, that starts to slip a little bit. So I want to do everything I can to have a young brain. And my clients that give up sugar by day five, I get a text message that says, I got more done yesterday than I have in three months. And I slept better last night than I have in forever. And yeah, and I just kind of smile. And so number one, food, 
Number two, sleep. If you think you can get away with five or six or sometimes even seven hours sleep, I guarantee it's not enough to up your vibe and up your health and well-being and tackling your AM and PM routine helps with that. What time do you turn off electronics? When is your last meal? They're all the questions I, and and some of my entrepreneur clients think, why is she asking me what time I eat at night? Well, because if you're snacking at 9 p.m. and having a couple beers and some junk food, I know that in the morning, you're not going to be as focused and you're going to have to have three cups of coffee to get on track for the day. So it's it's great insights into somebody's well-being. Love that. I, I want to come back to something you just said in a moment. Mm-hmm. Pete Ekstrom is asking, Suzanne, why do people hire you? Are you a life coach? Are you a dietary mentor? Why does someone need your help? What's the key problem you solve for people who are typically your clients? I love it, Peter. Uh, so I call myself a catalyst coach. And entrepreneurs or business owners hire me uh, typically because they're bored, they're looking to pivot their business, or they're looking to work less and make more money. And I always give this example. I worked one of my favorite clients ever. Um, He was not monetizing his business at all. It was a hobby for him. He had a best-selling book. He had a very successful Facebook community, but he wasn't selling one thing. And he came to me and he said, what do I do? I have all these people. I have all these followers, but I'm not making any money, but I'm doing what I love. And I said, awesome. Do you want to monetize it? And he said, how? And we developed a coaching program for him based on his hobby, his his life of, you know, what he was putting out there into the world and his book. And created a line of clothing and swag that he sells online. And it it was so fun because he was already having fun doing something for free and teaching him how to monetize it It was super fun. Mm -hmm. So clients like that, I absolutely love. And I work with everybody one-on-one. My one-on-one clients then get a mastermind group with each other. So I only work with between five and 10 people at a time, depending on my speaking and my consulting schedule. So it's very custom and very co-created with my clients. So that's one of the things that I leaned into because I didn't want to have a group coaching program or an online course. That's what everybody does. I wanted it to be high touch and um, really custom because I believe coaching is created with a conversation. Yeah, and, and I can I can attest that Suzanne creates not only great results, but raving lunatic fans. <laughs> I, I was introduced to Susan by somebody else I was doing a pre-interview with to yes. see if they were you know relevant to this podcast, and if I was going to invite them in a guest. I, I do 10 minutes with these people. I think nine minutes of the 10, this guy spent talking about how much he loves his coach, Suzanne Taylor King. And I got to <laughs> talk to her and she's the best. And he was just really raving. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, often people speak highly of others. This guy was out of his mind with how much he loves Suzanne. So Pete, love it. Uh, uh, Suzanne Taylor King, uh, com. She can, you, you can reach her there. Uh, I want to come back to something you said, and this is personal a minute ago, uh, sugar. 
I'm a sugar addict. I, I, you know, I, I think I need sugar anonymous. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so now I have negative self-talk. I'm going, you freaking idiot. I actually <laughs> gave up sugar once for six months. I was on a, what, what took you back to it? I stupidly believed or foolishly believed that, oh, well, I've kicked it. I guess I can have a little bit. And mm. I'm not a little bit person, you know, one candy bar turns into 10, a scoop of ice cream turns into the entire pint. Yep. And, and it, it's insidious. I actually read in the book that this diet is about uh, that sugar lights up the same receptors in your brain that cocaine does. Yes. That, that it's incredibly addictive. So you said, just give it up for five days. Just give it up for a week. Is it simply committing? Is that it? Or is there mm -hmm. some trick? Well, to me, it's deciding. Um you know, I, I grew up with a, a military dad uh, who was retired from the military. He was an athlete. And it to him, it was simply a decision. So that's how I grew up. Um, you know, I, I didn't I, I couldn't make excuses when I was a kid. If I if I got a C and he said, why? And I said, well, I forgot this or I, I didn't do that. Excuses. And I think that kind of molded, you know, who I am as a person. And so I think just deciding that you want to do better and start small, go one day without sugar and say, hmm, I can do that. Let's go too. And, you know, any goal that you want to achieve, there has to be a why. There has to be a reason why you want to give up sugar. And knowing that why and going really deep on that why is something that's really important because if, if there's no reason for it, I take a walk every day and I started off with only three or four miles and I wanted to do more, but I didn't start off walking eight miles a day. I started off with three or four. Now I do seven or eight. And so it's that compound effect of just keeping doing it every day. Uh, so try one day and see how you feel. Yeah, it, 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 as you were speaking and describing that, I, I was going, of course, of course, because six months with no sugar. And my brain was so much more clear that and mm -hmm. I'm a pretty smart guy. And I, I think clearly I think, but mm -hmm. There was a, a dramatic difference when I was not eating sugar in the way I was thinking, my clarity, uh, my energy level, my body. I lost weight just completely yeah. quickly. And it, it's one of those things where, where I know I should do it. And I, I'm, I'm just unable to get myself to make the choice so far. Maybe well, it today's... can't be should. It can't be should. It's I, I know I need to and I want to because of that why and i'm leaving on vacation tomorrow so normally uh, i don't drink that much uh, i don't do sugar but i'm going on vacation for 10 days leaving tomorrow there will be alcohol with every meal there will be sugar and i i do limit the sugar but not in a restrictive way but I'm going to have dessert after dinner and it's probably going to be a giant piece of chocolate cake or something incredible. And I'm going to enjoy every bite and every ounce of enjoyment from having these amazing meals. 
but it's not something I need to do once I get home. Like to me, it's, it's part of vacation. I'm on vacation from my journaling habit, my exercise habit. I'm on vacation from everything, even though I will still feel called to exercise and journal on vacation. So it, it's all about balance to me. It, it's not about being so strict that you're not enjoying life. Yeah, I can enjoy life without sugar. I'm just not right now, but I get it. I don't want to waste time on me. We've got another question for you. Okay. Art, art says, uh, or Art Acrobat says, can you help me understand how to sell art to interior designers with your methods? I could be premature, but it seems my emails, DMs, and phone calls are in the ether and not landing. 100% relationships for you. Um, selling your your art is so personal. So personal relationships with people who have your ideal clients behind them. Not necessarily building relationships with your ideal client, though that can work too. Building relationships with people who have hundreds of your ideal clients behind them number one way to success in, in that field. Interior design is so personal. Um, people who choose an interior designer have a personal relationship with that designer and you're no different than that. I love that beyond belief. Uh, you know, I'm constantly looking for other people who are selling to my pro my prospects, yes. selling non-competing products or services. Like yeah. I love to meet headhunters who recruit salespeople and sales managers. They're talking to VPs of sales and company presidents and CEOs. That's Absolutely. why I want to so we can refer each other. Uh, it's far easier to develop those relationships than it is necessarily to get direct clients. And we should be doing that too. And I actually that, that brought up another question. You recently wanted to connect with a major influencer. I saw this mm -hmm. in your LinkedIn feed. Yeah. And I'm assuming that this is somebody who gets bombarded with people yeah. like you and me with requests for their time and some of their attention, people who want to sell stuff to them or at least access their audience. How did you break through and get this person's attention? Uh, I commented on his content, uh, everything that was relevant to me as a community founder. Um, I showed up at his live podcast recording numerous times because I was interested in the topic and all of that was very authentic, not in a forced way. And then I saw a post of his that he surfs every day before work. I've been surfing since I was 12. I sent him a DM about surfing and my surfboard and a picture of me when I was like 16 with my brand new uh, channel hole surfboard thinking I was super cool. And he picked up the phone and called me. Wow. And three or four months after that, he invited me to be a guest on his podcast, which is really what I wanted, but I wanted it to happen organically and authentically. And you, you talk about authenticity in sales. Uh, what does it mean to sell authentically? Hmm. I guess at the heart of it is uh, believing that the person you're talking to needs what you offer and what you do. And, um, not caring if you get a no, just knowing from the heart that that person or company needs what you offer, I think is number one. Yeah. Uh, if 
if you don't believe 100% in what you're selling, whether you're selling yourself like you and I do or a product or yeah. service for somebody else, go find another job. Go find something else to sell because it, 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 people, I believe that uh, people always know it when you're being inauthentic. They may not actually recognize it consciously, but there's a feeling yeah. inside you that you can recognize when somebody's lying to you. I believe that you always know when your your spouse is cheating on you uh, and, and we're yeah. plugged into that. And when you're not, fully believing that what you have to offer someone is truly good for them, not just good for you so that you make money, but good for them. They can sense it. And if you, if you can't do that, go find something else. I, I, I've not so jokingly many times. That's why yeah. I'm so good at selling me. I believe in me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, I believe that the best thing you can get in sales is a referral. It's better yes. than any other prospect to speak with somebody who's introducing you to someone else mm -hmm. is you're halfway to a sale if it's done properly. How can we get more referrals of perfect clients? Ask. Number one, people don't ask. Um, I routinely say, who do you know? Who do you know that needs help pivoting their business, uh, working less? Who do you know who needs help making See, more money? Uh, I, I'm with you. My, my coach uh, argues with me about this. She goes, I would never, ever ask for a referral. I think it's rude. People either want to refer me or they don't. And we've had this discussion many times. And the fact is, she get, I, I've referred her many times without her ever asking uh, uh, me to do it. But I believe the same thing you do. For most of us, we still need to ask. And my experience is that sometimes people are just waiting for us to ask. They may not offer us the referral on their own, but when you ask, they're like, oh, yeah, let me introduce you to this one, that one, or the other one. Simply ask. And I love the way you said it. Not do you know anybody for me? It's who do you know that I should be speaking with? It's a much better question. And I believe sales is really all about And one of, one of the other things I do um, is any of my referral partners or advocates or people who talk about me in rooms I'm not in, I offer them a paragraph that is they have the ability to gift a coaching session with me to someone else. There's people here. Is that you? That is me. Sorry <laughs> about that. So the people who refer you have the ability to offer a coaching, gifting a coaching session to somebody else when they make the referral? Hold on one second. Something's happening on my computer. Okay, all fixed. <laughs> all fixed. Sorry about that. I voices in my head speaking again. No, no. It was it was your daimon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so being able, having those advocates for me, being able to gift a coaching session with me, uh, that's led to more clients for me than any post ever on social media. And, you know, the example is uh, I refer to somebody who writes LinkedIn profiles. So I gave her that paragraph. She meets a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners. And if she hears one of my struggles, you know, that I solve for people, pivoting, courses, content creation, any of those problems I solve for people, she sends them an email with the paragraph that says, I want to introduce you to Suzanne Taylor King. She solves blank problem and they fill in the problem. And she has agreed to 
offer you a complimentary coaching session to solve that problem without a sales pitch as a favor to me because of how we do business together. And if I show up powerfully to that conversation, solve that person's problem, I do not have to sell myself at all. They they say at the end of the appointment, I say, was this helpful? Oh my gosh, yes, so helpful. How do I work with you? Nothing better than that. I often do the exact same thing. Uh, I, I, I liken it to being a drug dealer. Here, yes. try this. If you like it, let me know. Yeah, I like sugar, right? <laughs> yeah, and look, you know, what's better than showing somebody, actually showing yeah. them what they would get out of working with yeah. you? Here's what it's like to work with me. Is that good or not? Because it's yeah. not always a, a perfect fit. And, and what better way than to try it on? It, it's like, I don't like ordering clothes for, off the internet. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the store and try it on because I don't Thank like you. returning stuff and all that stuff. So it's great. Pete Ekstrom is asking, have you authored a book? Uh, I have co-authored two books, two collaborative books, one on healthy thinking um, and the other one on healthy living. And I am working on a book of my tailored engagement method, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, It's all outlined and it's on the to-do list for September. There you go, Pete. Keep your eyes open. Thanks, uh, Pete. We are running out of time, and I've got literally 50 more questions. I'm just going to, uh, this is, I don't think we have time. I'm, I'm just going to ask this anyways. Maybe we can get a quick answer. So one of the things you focus on in your co- coaching practice is helping people with increasing their energy. And yes. you say we need a small amount of energy to live, but it takes much more energy to live the life that we want. So how do we learn to be more mindful about where our energy is going so that we can serve our, our raw creative energy and move it towards authenticity and authority? All right. Well, this is a super long question or a super long answer, but I'm going to give it as short as possible. By increasing your motivation, so internal motivation, I, I believe motivation can only come from within. By increasing that and increasing your habits, you automatically increase your personal energy. So long story short, by increasing, doing better with your personal habits, your personal energy goes up. Now, to really put gas on that fire, you up your emotional intelligence and self-awareness and your habits go through the roof because you're more self-aware, you're more self-critical, you're more self-examining. And by doing that, you become better at absolutely everything. And when all else fails, dance to your favorite music before you get on a sales call to up your vibe. I love that. And we have to hang out more often as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I think we do. I, I love everything you said. And, you know, so much of what you say rings true. I do a one hour motivational keynote and the whole essence is nobody else can motivate you unless you're a mafia hitman and have killed people. You can't get people to do anything. True right. motivation really comes from within. You are fantastic. Suzanne Taylor. King. Thank you. Um, before we go, could you, uh, I don't have anything I can share with the audience, but can you please tell people how they can find you if they're interested in speaking with you or working with you? Absolutely. SuzanneTaylorKing.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. There's a link right in my profile to join my community. Love to have you. Love to have you hang out with us. 
Fantastic. Well, Suzanne, we are out of time. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us generously. I appreciate it. You're Please so have welcome. a magnificent vacation. I know you will on the cruise. And I'll end as I always do, gang. Please remember that sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you next time. Bye.